0: Hey there, welcome to another edition of the LiveWire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank. Uh, We've got a corker of a show for you this week. Uh, We're going to get a visit from John Hodgman, uh, maybe the only person on planet Earth who is more obsessed with accumulating airline miles than I am, or was, you know, back when things were normal. Uh, Plus, we're going to chat with writer and podcaster John Mualem about this oddly fascinating podcast that he has. It's called Walking And it's just basically him recording himself taking walks in the woods. And I know that sounds kind of dull, but somehow it isn't. Uh, I promise you're going to want to hear it. Plus, we have music from the never dull Alan Stone. That is the plan. It's going to be a fun show, so please stick around. It all gets started right after this.
3: Hey, Elena. Oh my goodness. It's the Luke Ness monster. (laughs) Oh my God.
0: (laughs) I'm really curious to see how long this can go on. Uh How many nickname versions of my name are there? Challenge
3: accepted, my friend. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to go the distance like Rocky and whatever Rocky he went the distance in.
0: Hey, uh, this is the nature of communicating in 2020. You and I mm-hmm. are on a Zoom call. I can see that you have a, a lovely dress. But then I was also looking at your Instagram page. <laughs> you have the full dress on display yes. on Instagram. and. It is lovely, but what is going on with this pattern?
3: It is a bunch of leopards and lions cartwheeling around an orange background while vomiting rainbows. Wait, what? It's called the Pride Tiger print. It's from New Works, which is this really cool independent women-run company in San Francisco. And I think they commissioned this print for 2020 Pride. You're also wearing a very busy print, I have to say.
0: (laughs) Yeah, as if. (laughs) I am in full monochromatic mode uh, for the time being. I think that's probably the most flattering look on me. All right. Should we do this little radio show?
3: Hey, why the heck not?
0: Molly, are we recording?
3: Yes, Bessie. We're recording.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Elena, take it away.
3: From PRX, it's LiveWire! Recorded from our actual houses, welcome to the LiveWire House Party! This week with humorist John Hodgman, writer John Mualem, and music from Alan Stone. I'm your announcer Elena Passarello, and now, live and direct from a small room just off his kitchen, the host of LiveWire, Luke Burbank! Uh,
0: thank you so much, Elena Passarello. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, we got a great show in store for everybody. Uh, we're going to talk to John Hodgman. We're going to talk to John Muallam. Uh, and hear some music from Alan Stone. Um, first, though, we like to ask the audience a question each week. And uh, we put that on social media. Folks get back to us. This week, we asked... What advice would you have given yourself at the beginning of 2020,
3: mm-hmm. kind
0: of knowing what we know now? So, of course, with the benefit of hindsight, uh, we have a lot of advice for our, for our previous selves, ourselves that were just entering 2020. What advice would you give Elena Passarello at the beginning of 2020?
3: I would say, Elena, go back into the party. Because on the very first minute of 2020, I was in Vermont, I teach in a MFA program there, and they had a big New Year's Eve party, all the students and faculty Uh were there drinking punch and shaking it. And they said, Happy New Year, and we toasted. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to do something a little different this year. And I walked out the door and I took a 45 minute walk in the snow. By myself. And I enjoyed the <laughs> solitude. <laughs> right. But now that I, I haven't hugged anyone that isn't named David or isn't a cat, you know, in a million mm. years, I've certainly not gone dancing. I haven't had that great sweaty. I love going dancing, you know, like rock concert feel. I would have gone back in there and I would have shook it till three in the morning. I, yeah. just w- I would not have chosen solitude for my first act of the new year.
0: Well, it's so funny because, yeah, like at that time, that would have been a really interesting and cool idea for you just to spend some time in reflection. Yes. In solitude to kind of usher in a new year. Yeah. I think I would tell Luke Burbank at the beginning of 2020 to get hooked up with a good therapist who also uses Zoom. <laughs> I just, I honestly, like, I feel like now I've kind of missed the window on that. Like, I had a therapist, but they didn't do virtual stuff. Oh, my gosh. It has to do with insurance billing. It's actually a very boring uh, side to this whole thing. But I didn't lock somebody down. I didn't, you know that thing you got to do when you have a new therapist where you kind of build a relationship you kind of get to know each other a little bit? I wish I would have been doing the groundwork on that Mm -hmm. (laughs) leading up to this because it just feels like every day is kind of this new wave of like feeling like we don't have control of our lives Mm -hmm. or some days you feel really up and hopeful like we got this and sometimes it just feels like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Is this the rest of our life? And I think other than talking to you every week, I, feel like I, did, I would like to work with a professional, but now I, the, the window has closed on that. For
3: yeah, me. please don't tell me that I'm your therapist because my, my <laughs> answer to everything is buy a loud print. So I don't know if yes. we'll have a great working...
0: I mean, honestly, that would be novel advice. Maybe part of why I'm bummed out is because I'm just wearing these black T-shirts that I think are slimming. (laughs) All right. What are the uh, LiveWire listeners saying they would tell themselves at the beginning of 2020 if they
3: could? A lot of interesting advice. Uh, These audience cards were amazing this week. Here's one from Corey. Invest in Zoom. (laughs)
0: Yeah. right. I mean, I don't think I even knew really what Zoom was before this pandemic. And I'm not a conspiratorial person, but if somebody could Mm -hmm. explain the connection between the growth of this business and this unexpected event going around the globe, I don't know, maybe I would be listening.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I I saw a picture of the CEO of of Zoom, and he's just a COVID-19 molecule with a necktie
0: (laughs) on. We laugh so we don't cry. Um, (laughs) What else are they saying?
3: Uh, Here's one from uh, a hometown hero, Stephen from Corvallis, Oregon.
0: Oh, nice. That's where you are, Corvallis.
3: That's right. Uh, Stephen says, start familiarizing yourself with Taylor Swift's discography, the whole thing, all the way back. You need to understand the context for what's coming next, which is, of course, this folklore album that she just, I think, sprung on people.
0: Yeah, I believe it was recorded during the pandemic. And it was it was released as a kind of a surprise. And I know the same thing happened to our EP, Laura Haddon. Like, three different people sent me the link really? to this album the day it came out.
3: So you've listened to it, I'm assuming.
0: Yes, and it's great.
3: Yeah, it's the new Tay-Tay.
0: I will tell you, my Taylor Swift consumption has gone up greatly during the pandemic. <laughs> hey, let's welcome our first guest over to the house party, uh, John Muallam is now kind of a friend of the show. In fact, remember, Elena, right when we started doing these pandemic shows, we actually talked to him during quarantine. He was hiding mm-hmm. from his kids in a bathroom yeah. in his house. On <laughs> a fuzzy chair. <laughs> uh, the first time, though, that he was on Live was actually back in December of last year. Uh, we were doing the show at the Neptune Theater in Seattle, and he was on the show to talk about this podcast he has called Walking, which was named the best podcast of the year by the AV Club, uh-huh. uh, even though it's just recordings of him walking in the woods. <laughs> Clearly, we've been overthinking this, yeah, Elena, yeah. with all the talking oh. and the research. We yeah. should have just been recording ourselves walking in nature. Anyway, take a listen to this. Uh, this is our conversation with John Muallam. <laughs>
2: John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. When did you get the idea for this podcast? I was taking a walk uh, from my house, as I often do. Um, It was beautiful out. And I took a little video, maybe like a five-second video, of just the tide kind of lapping against this boat ramp. And I put it on uh, social media. And I just said, here's a trailer for my new podcast, 40 (laughs) minutes of me walking around, no talking. Then someone offered to... uh, uh, buy an ad on the podcast. <laughs> and then I thought, well, I've got to make a podcast now.
0: Um, what are the rules for the podcast? Like, is,
2: Do you have to take the same route or do you have to go a certain length? Uh, no, I haven't really given it that much thought. The rules are basically <laughs> to minimize the amount of um, planning and effort uh-huh. so that it's very difficult to do it badly. Um, there was one time when I had to do a take-two. I was walking. It was early morning. I'd I'd actually gone on a, like a, it was a a sort of a bottle episode. I I drove somewhere and took a walk in a park, and I put my hand in my pocket, and I realized I had both uh, my car keys and my wife's car keys in my pocket, and she had to go to work. So then I just started running back to the car, and I was sort of like huffing and puffing and thinking that I read the ad in the car, I think. But then I scrapped the whole episode. I just felt like it wasn't up to the quality of the previous (laughs) previous episodes. It was too much, uh, you know, breathing and uh, panic. That would be running your follow-up podcast, which America
0: is not ready for yet. For those who haven't had a chance to hear this podcast walking, I just want to play. We have a little clip here we play for people. Take a listen to this. Hold on, this this is the good part. We have 47 more minutes, you guys. Stay with us. There you go. That's just a clip. It's a sample of the walking podcast.
2: Thank you.
3: You know how like on NPR, there's like now like a voice that people do on NPR. Do you find when you're walking, do you have like a podcast walk, like a stride that's more performative than when you're walking around?
2: You know, I got the So the first episode I did was as soon as I left my property, I heard some people walking just up ahead and sort of chattering pretty loudly, and I was like, oh God, uh, this isn't gonna work, you know, because that's not why I thought the people would be coming to The Walking Podcast to hear some couple arguing. So I started booking it really fast to get past them, and I got so much uh, feedback, negative feedback, some of it a little bit impolite that I was walking too quickly. Um, so ever since then, I've, I have been a little sensitive if I feel myself hurrying up. I've tried, ah. to, tried to pull back a little bit, but like I said, I try not to get in my own head too much about it yeah. and just uh, take, a, take a walk. What is the recording
0: gear that you use? How are you actually recording this?
2: It's really low tech. It's, it's kind of like a homemade uh, operation. So I just use the little Olympus voice recorder that I use, you know, in my journalism work when I'm interviewing someone.
0: We should mention that John is also a, an award-winning and amazing journalist for the New York Times <laughs> magazine. It's not... Um, as of right now, The Walking Podcast is more of a side project in terms of his financial bottom line. Yeah. But what do you have? You have said you have this like Olympus digital so recorder. This little,
2: yeah, handheld little tiny recorder on the meeting setting because I think that captures a bigger kind of range around <laughs> it. And then uh, and I keep it in a, in a wool sock uh-huh. um, and that's it. Wow. So people can't really see that you're recording
0: Uh, you don't have like headphones on and some sort of big piece of equipment. I ask because like one of the things that happens during your show, and I've listened to a lot of episodes of it, which says something about emotionally where I'm at in my life, (laughs) but it's you'll sometimes you'll pass somebody and you'll kind of say those niceties that we all say when you pass somebody on the trail. And if I were in your shoes and I had all this radio equipment on, it would be mortifying.
2: Uh, Do you get looks from people? Um... Well, it's not that conspicuous, but you know, I live in a pretty small town, so word has kind of gotten around among some of the walking community that I'm doing the show. I was in the local paper; it was kind of a big deal. I was on the front page. Wow. And, um, but sometimes I've been out just walking, without just for pleasure, and uh, I've seen people and they say, "Oh, are you recording the show?" You know, and I say, "No, no, it's just this one's just for me." And uh, <laughs> so it's it's conspicuous, but not really. Got it? Yes. Yeah.
0: This is Livewire from PRX, the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Uh, you're listening to a conversation we recorded uh, last year in December with John Muallam. We recorded it at the Neptune Theater in Seattle. Uh, we're going to get back to that in a moment. First, though, a very quick break, and then we'll be back with more of the Livewire House Party. Stay with us. Hey, Elena. What we're Mm -hmm. here to talk about is you keeping LiveWire going. So head on over to LiveWireRadio.org to see the various member levels. It does not matter how much you are giving every month to LiveWire. It just matters that you do it because it goes a long way for us. So thank you.
1: Vacations, weddings, birthdays, and reunions. Oh, my, there's so much going on. Get the most out of your spring plans by stocking up on pre-alcohol now. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works: when you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zebiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make z your first drink of the night, drink responsibly, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. Go to Zbiotics.com/slash. LiveWire to get 15% off your first order when you use LiveWire at checkout. ZBiotics is backed with 100% money-back guarantee, so if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com LiveWire and use the code LiveWire at checkout for 15% off. Thank you to ZBiotics for sponsoring this episode and our good times.
0: Welcome back to the LiveWire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Uh, Elena, remember this conversation with John Mualem? I felt a little bit chagrined because basically he got this big award over this podcast of his called Walking, Mm -hmm. which is just him recording himself walking. (laughs) But I, I felt like I just kept like kind of leaning into how weird it was that his show was so much more popular than ours.
3: Also that the you loved it. it, right? Yes. That that show is like a part of your heart now, right?
0: <laughs> yes. It's like meditative for me. I actually still listen to it. Maybe I don't need to get a therapist. I just have this walking podcast. But yeah. I felt like I was leaning in too hard to the like, <laughs> get a load of this. It's just a person walking. And at the, afterwards, when John walked off stage, he had a slightly dejected look on his face. Like I thought, oh, maybe uh, maybe he didn't know that this was all coming from a place of me actually loving the show. But anyway, it is kind of an interesting podcast. I would recommend it to folks. Let's uh, pick back up on this conversation. We recorded it December of last year at the Neptune Theater in Seattle. This is us talking to John Muallam. I hope that in the previous part of our conversation, it didn't sound like I was being too dismissive of the show because really and truly, I am listening to this podcast more than any other podcast in my life. And I think it's because there's a heavy ASMR element to it which, for folks who don't know, is this kind of new... It's maybe not a new way of listening to sound, but it's a new way of describing how people experience listening to audio, whether it's people walking or someone brushing their hair or just talking kind of in a soft way. Did you know that there was going to be
2: an ASMR component to this when you started doing it? Um, No, I didn't actually know what ASMR was (laughs) uh, until I put the podcast out and people said, oh, it's ASMR... And I just automatically assumed that was something bad <laughs> and, uh, and looked it up. But uh, So no, I didn't, I didn't really appreciate that I was working in an established medium. I just, I feel like it has to say something about where
0: we are as a society that some of us, me included, like to deal with our anxiety need to hear a recording of someone else walking mm-hmm. as <laughs> like a calming event.
2: Yeah, I don't really have any comment on that. I mean, why? I'd, I'd be curious. When do you listen? Like, when do you listen to the show? What is its use in your, uh, your life?
0: On airplanes, or sometimes while I'm walking, which is a little bit of a mind Whoa. bleep because, like, if my steps are getting out of step with your steps, that it's can like be a inception problem.
3: Inception or something. Yeah. Like, it just gets so meta.
0: But I listen to a lot of, um, like, I'll listen to a sound effect of a river rushing sometimes for like far too long into the day. It'll be, like, 2 in the afternoon, and I'm still listening to the thing I was listening to to go to sleep. So this really does have this kind of very... This has gotten so much more into my stuff than I meant it to. This, it does have this interesting sort of, like, calming effect to it.
2: Yeah, I think that's cool. I mean, that's why I take the walks. I mean, I always I work at home. I work by myself. I take a walk in the middle of the day. It's, like, a good way to just kind of get out of your own head. And I think it's really fascinating, like, when I hear from people... A that they're listening to the show at all, and then B how they're listening. I've heard the one woman told me she was doing physical therapy. She was an older woman who had, had some kind of injury, and she was listening to the show while she was doing physical therapy, like in a you know ratty gym somewhere. Um, people listen to it on their commutes. People listen to it while they're working. I just think it's it's kind of amazing. It's amusing to me to make it, and it's definitely amusing to me that like people actually seem to genuinely appreciate it.
3: Does it feel weird because you? I mean, you're a, you're a reporter for the New York Times. You wrote one of my favorite books of all time, Wild Ones. You have another book coming out. You know, you've got these major projects that require years and years of work. And there's some people who only know you as the, the guy who, that I listen to walking during physical therapy.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a very unusual situation to be in, I would say. I mean, I think it's like I was sort of laughing on the way over here that this is... This the, is why we finally yeah. had you on the yeah, show. Like, I got booked for, for yeah. this. And, and it's been... I've actually done a fair amount of media for the podcast, which is sort of crazy. So, um, you know, I, I'm a serious person, right? I, you know, I don't want to uh, seem like everything I do is a joke. But, uh, but this isn't really a joke either. You know, I, yeah. right. I'm, it's amusing to me. It's yeah. enjoyable, and it just seems like it's a, it's a good time, and it breaks up my day.
0: Now, yeah. the, uh, the, the season two of your podcast has what could only be described as a minimalistic theme song, which uh, your friend, a uh, guy from the Decemberist named Chris Funk,
2: wrote... Yeah, so we, we, intru- we me and, and you, all the listeners, uh, introduced a theme song for season two, just kind of up the production value. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I originally called uh, Chris, Chris is sort of like my, my best friend in the music industry. So when I have music related questions and needs, I call him and I, I said, I would really love it if like we could get Elton John or Katy Perry to do a Walking <laughs> podcast theme song. And that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> But he, uh, he did it himself, and it's, fa- it's fantastic. It sounds really good in the woods. I usually play it out of my phone into the recorder. Oh, that's how walking. it's happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds great. It's very ambient.
0: Yeah. In fact, we actually have Chris Funk from the Decemberists here. Let's bring him out on stage. Chris? Hello. Chris? What was the kind of um, process for you creatively of making this theme song? Um, well, truth be told, I just finished a new solo record, and I gave John one of the tracks and didn't tell him that was from that. So I figured it was a way to avoid paying advertising on the show
2: by just to get my song on the podcast. Is this the
0: 1st year learning of this, John, or do you know this
2: already? I, heard, I learned about it at dinner tonight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's still really special to me. Yeah. Well, that's
0: good. Can we hear it, Chris? Yeah, there there is one part that is it, it was added on to make it officially part of the podcast. And see if you can sing along during that part. Okay. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs>
4: Walking
2: podcast. Wow!
0: That was John Mualem and Chris Funk from the Decemberists, recorded back in December of last year at the Neptune Theater. In Seattle, Washington This right here is recorded Well, this very week from our homes This is the Live Wire House Party I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello And uh, you wanted to make sure, Elena That we <laughs> mentioned at the end of that conversation with John That John also has a book out It's called This Is Chance It's a really incredible book And uh, as you pointed out Yourself, uh, an author It was one of those moments where like, that book got released Right as the pandemic yeah. locked everything down yeah. uh, Which of course would be uh, sort of challenging if you'd poured your heart and soul into a book, so we want to make sure we mention that John's book is This Is Chance, and it's really, really good. This is the LiveWire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank, joined virtually, as uh, I am each week, by Elena Passarello. And uh, we like to ask the LiveWire audience a question each week, uh, which then folks answer via social the question this week is what advice would you give yourself at the beginning of 2020 knowing what we all know now uh, Elena, what is the audience saying they'd like to tell themselves
3: Here's one from Jesse don't bother signing up for all those airline credit card bonuses
0: <laughs> Oh my gosh I know so many things that, that that seem to make so much sense at the beginning of 2020 in mm-hmm. preparation for what we expected to be a normal year. Yeah, I will say I am saving a lot of money personally not eating out so much and yeah. not going out to bars. I, that's like a little bit of a silver lining for me, I guess.
3: I was this close to signing up for one of those gyms where you have to pay a lot of dues up front, uh, like a health club. Um, and I'd done the trial, and I was supposed to sign up, and I, I procrastinated an extra week, and then all of a sudden we went into lockdown, so... I definitely saved myself like $200. Uh. Oh,
0: so smart. Uh, What else is the listener saying?
3: Here's one from Ariana. Dust off your sewing machine and head to the fabric store because you're going to need a matching mask for every outfit.
0: (laughs) Do you have your good mask
3: yet? Good in terms of fashion or good in terms of safety?
0: (laughs) The one that you just kind of are happy when it's coming up in the rotation. (laughs) Like, you know how you have like good underwear or good socks and they're... They're basically like all the other underwear and socks you have. But for some reason, you just they're just a little better. Yeah. And when they come up in the laundry, you're like, yes, yeah. this is going to be a good day. I'm getting the good underwear.
3: Yeah. I have that with my
0: masks now.
3: What's the first string of the football team that <laughs> is your mask? It's just this black one that my
0: wife purchased. It covers a lot. It's easy. to it hooks over the ears, but then it has an additional tie in the back. Mm. And it's funny because I was wearing this mask for a TV segment I did about hugging. Like, is it ever appropriate to hug anyone Mm. uh, who's not in your bubble? And in fact, scientists say, yes, if you wear a mask and you're careful about it. And it just so happened that I'm wearing this mask in one of these scenes in the story. And in fact, I'm hugging my daughter. I hadn't seen her for three months. The overwhelming feedback the CBS television network got was not, oh, how lovely uh, a father and his daughter reunited. It was people going, where did you get that mask from? (laughs) I literally had to find out where the mask was from and let the people at the CBS Facebook page know because everybody wanted to know what was up with this mask. So that is my good mask.
3: All right.
0: (laughs) Uh, Any other advice that the LiveWire listeners wish they could have given their 2020 self?
3: Sure. Here's one from Caitlin. Buy 300% more plants because your apartment's living room is going to have to double as an outdoor space for a while (laughs) oh
0: my gosh people that live in urban environments places like new york city yeah i mean the privilege that we have out here in the northwest Mm -hmm. that we can kind of walk outside and just be you know, around nature and yet have our own space. Yeah. I, I think I lose I lose sight of just how how lucky that really is. And you yeah. think about people that are in Manhattan or, or Brooklyn or Chicago, you know, places where you could be real tightly packed in. Oh, yeah. You re- are very reliant on those plants. That's
3: when you have to make your home arboretum.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're talking about uh, giving ourselves advice on the show this week. Uh, and speaking of giving advice, okay, our next guest is an expert at the art of advice giving in fact he actually hosts a podcast and he writes a column for the new york times called judge john hodgman where he gives out advice <laughs> of course he's also an actor he's a best-selling author who elena if we're being honest he really has our show live wire to thank for his latest book which is called medallion status uh-huh. uh We'll explain that in a minute. Uh, First, though, uh, take a listen to this. It is our conversation with John Hodgman. We recorded it last year at the Neptune Theater in Seattle. (laughs) John Hodgman, welcome to LiveWire.
4: Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be back. Thank you.
0: This book, Medallion Status, is wonderful. And it is like a lot of your books to me, which is that it's sort of ostensibly about one thing. It's kind of about airline privilege and guest lounges and things like that. But it's really an interesting meditation on fame and feeling in the in-club and also what it feels like when you're not in the in-club as much. Right, um, it's just a it was a really interesting read. When would you say you were at the height of your
4: fame? Um, i I thought it was when I was walking on, but i now that I think about it yeah please don 't let it be now i I mean I guess probably most people most humans would see me when I was on the. Mac versus PC ads, and mm-hmm. those ended just about 10 years ago, which is hard to believe, and it's been downhill ever since. So, but it makes sense. It's good to be back on the radio. This is where I belong. <laughs> Anyone who's ever seen my face knows just how implausible my on-camera career ever was. You know, I got, I got kidnapped by Jon Stewart to go on television on The Daily Show. It was never my plan and the book medallion status is you know stories about what it's like to be a very famous minor television personality and all the secret rooms and exclusive clubs and airport lounges that you get to go in when you have even the minorest of fame and then what it feels like to be kicked out of those rooms one <laughs> by one slowly until suddenly you you're at a party and you realize you're not as famous as even the least famous corgi on Instagram because that corgi is over there and getting a lot more attention than you mm-hmm. You
0: strike me as such a smart person. I I found it very um, humanizing to read how much you really did struggle with, like you're staying at this nice hotel in LA and there's a, a Golden Globes party happening a, yes,
4: that's right and i was not invited
0: <laughs> and most i think people who maybe heard you on this american life or seen you on tv would think john hodgman doesn't care about that stuff those are a bunch of hollywood phonies but you were in your room trying to text anyone you could find to get you on the list yeah that's right
4: <laughs> i uh, th- this was a few years ago and i had been and i was staying at this fancy hotel in la where i'd stayed an, a, a many times before especially during the the, the, the higher-on-the-hog days of my what passes for my fame. And I was not invited to this party. And I knew th- a lot of people who were invited to this party. And in fact, someone I knew who was invited to this party, Paul Rudd, said, you should just show up. You know people there. You just go in. Just show up. And I'm like, I'm not going to just show up. Like, I'm, I may, fame may have turned me into a monster. But I am, uh, if anything, a fame vampire. I will, you know, get right up next to you and try to suck your fame blood to replenish my own withering relevancy. But you have to invite me in first. <laughs> I'm not I'm not some fame werewolf just coming in and tearing it all up because no one will stop me. So I had to I, I you know I I I had to stay in my hotel room and and listen down in the garden for my from my room as all my famous friends laughed and enjoyed the night away. And in the morning, I woke up and I felt really cleansed because the experience of being admitted to fame, uh, to any kind of status, is immediately addictive, you know. And when you, when you let it go, you feel you've purged something from yourself. And I went back down to the lobby where I was now allowed to go, and I was having coffee, and I overheard this conversation. In the context, I understood that there are these three doctors who had been in town from the Midwest somewhere for a conference. And somehow they had gotten rooms at this hotel. And one of them says to the other one, you know, uh, Don, did you know there was a party here last night? And Don goes, oh, I, I, I know that, Dick, because uh, we came back late from the conference and uh, we went to the party. <laughs> and he's like, really? How did you get in? He's like, we just walked in. Nobody stopped us. <laughs> we had a wonderful conversation with Bill Murray last night. I'm like, Whoa! Oh. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are doctors because I'm about to kill myself. <laughs> I need you to resuscitate me.
0: We're talking to John Hodgman. His new book is Medallion Status. This is Live Wire Radio. Um, the radio show that I think in a lot of ways is responsible for this book because... That's true. A, a few years ago now, it was about this time of year, we, we were looking to have you on the show and you agreed to be on the show with pretty limited notice... And we thought, why is John Hodgman doing this? And then word came in that we needed to fly you to Portland on a very specific flight.
4: Yes. Well, first of all, I'm always happy to come here. I I love you. I'm always happy to fly here. And you're always generous enough to fly me here. But the thing is, you caught me at a bad time in my life. Because (laughs) the book Medallion Status, it is named for... The, the status levels that you gain by flying frequently with a certain airline. But, you know, I, I had been flying back and forth across the country a whole lot for a TV show that I was shooting in L.A. And it was, re- it was really hard on me and especially hard on my family. My kids didn't understand why I was away. But it, all, I, it, it was all for the best because one time I was checking in for my flight and someone looked at my uh, boarding pass and said, oh, thank you, Mr. Hodgman, for being gold. Now, I had reached gold medallion status on this particular airline. I didn't even know it. That's a weird woo, but I'll take it. (laughs) I I didn't understand what was going on. All I heard was someone had said, thank you for being gold. And that was the most important thing that had ever happened in my life. Because I was like, oh, yeah, I am gold, right? That's what I always thought. I grew up wanting to be gold. I think I'm gold inside, but I'm always wondering maybe I'm not gold and someone's going to find out I'm silver and I'm going to get kicked out. It's such an incredible privilege to be seen and to be affirmed in life. It doesn't happen all the time. Lots of people aren't seen or affirmed or recognized even within their own families. But that was before I realized that gold isn't where it stops. You can also get to platinum and then diamond. And by the end of that year, after my family had suffered so much, the one consolation that I had was I was like 7,000 medallion qualifying miles away from diamond. And the year was ticking away. How was I going to get it? Suddenly, I got a call from Oregon. (laughs) Yes, I said, it's live wire calling. Will you fly to Oregon on short notice to be on our radio show? And I said, hang on a second. Click, 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 click. I'll do it if you fly me on this particular route and it has to be first class. And there was a long pause. Your pledge dollars at work, everybody. Wasn't it worth it? And, I, and it has to be first class or else I won't get enough miles to make it to Diamond. And there's a long pause and, and I'm like, I am going to hang up the phone. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, okay, okay, okay. So, you know, I cheated a public radio show in order to get Diamond <laughs> status. But and thank you for doing it. Thank uh, you. I mean, honestly, it was... Thank you for was... being gold. You're all gold. Currently, cur- currently I'm currently on platinum, so... <laughs> And I, and I don't think I think this trip was almost going to get me to Diamond for next year but I'm, I'm 500 miles short <gasps> I was thinking that because the, the... I, I know you can buy them <laughs> madam <laughs> I'm not a cheater <laughs> I'll, pro- I'll, pro- I'll probably buy them yeah it's a sick, it's a, you know, when I when my fame dwindled and I started chasing diamond medallion status, it was like just just re, uh, replacing one sick addiction with another. You talk in this book
0: about imposter syndrome and this feeling of kind of people are going to find out that maybe you're not as talented or as whatever as yeah, they think and they you did.
4: are.
0: <laughs> well, I would oh,
4: it's just I
0: would silly. disagree with that, and in fact, you have been in some of my like, Bored to Death comes to mind. You've been in some really great TV shows, and you've been really great in
4: those shows. I've been, I've been lucky to be invited to be on some great TV shows and, and do my say my words and make my faces, and that's called acting.
0: Yeah, but uh, you don't have any formal training with that, right?
4: No, that's why I'm an imposter. <laughs> I'm pretty adept at playing myself or versions of myself. And what I learned very quickly as I was cast in these various comedies and, and dramas on cable or whatever... Um, uh, I am, uh, my role in all of television is to play a mustache creep, <laughs> a perv, an insidious con man, a ba- an evil FBI agent, a weird dentist a weird, right in the neck. A, well, yeah. A weird psychiatrist who dabbles in dentistry with his own kids. <laughs> you were great in that, by the way. Thank you very much. That was such a pleasure. And I, I hope that to do, to do some more acting, but I mean, unlike fame or celebrity, which is about basically getting things for free, getting swag, getting invitations to parties, getting all kinds of affection that you do not earn. Um, acting is really about giving, giving things away, surrendering to a vulnerable moment in a scene. And sometimes it means just giving up your clothes. and In Mozart in the Jungle, I was invited to, to do a nude scene in this, in this scene with, the, um, uh, with the, the star of the show, um, and I, uh, I, I received a rider to my contract and it was literally said at the top nude rider and two words. That was that my never, nickname in high school. I know, right? It's like two, uh, two words I never thought should ever be together, but it's fantastic. Yeah. And in the nude rider, it explained in great detail all of the different parts of me that would be shown and all of the things that would not be shown. And what was weird about the nude rider is that uh, it was phrased as though I had written it. It was in the first person, because I was signing it. So it was basically like, I acknowledge that there will be no full frontal nudity, that I will be given a privacy belt to cover my genitalia, and my and also I will be my genitalia will be obscured by an oboe, which was a plot point. <laughs> All of which words <laughs> I also never thought I would ever. That was a promise I never thought I would ever have to make.
0: We're talking to John Hodgman. His new book is Medallion Status. I was surprised to read in this book, John, that you mentioned you don't like writing. Like you don't enjoy the process. No, do you? No, but I don't I... have any books out. You were you are a literary agent. You're a really good writer. I was just surprised. I was a
4: literary agent in order to avoid being a writer. I was trying to get out of it. And indeed, you know, a lot of... uh, I'm trying desperately to get back into acting (laughs) so so that I don't have to write anymore. But the truth is, writing is the most rewarding and gratifying creative work that I do because it it is discovering what's inside my head. And as I think for anybody, discovering what's inside your head is actually very difficult to do. You don't really think about what you are thinking about until you are forced with a blank page to just start putting down words, and all of a sudden you're like, oh... Oh, no, I'm a terrible monster.
3: <laughs> and it's not, you know, unlike acting, it's only you. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite because an actor is, is sort of coddled so that they can live in this kind of chamber and do this one thing that they yeah. have to do. But as a writer, you're kind of cast and crew and nudity belt. You're all of it, right? Yes, like, I am.
4: That's right. I am my own nudity belt. You are your yeah. own.
3: <laughs> that's the title of your next book. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Looking back on this, this book now, uh, what do you think you learned about yourself?
4: I mean, they're all different kinds of status. I had a very particular weird journey through a particular kind of fame. Um, and, and yet there, there, there are job titles, there, there are positions you have in life, and we lose status all the time. And when you are in a comfortable place and you feel, if you're lucky enough to feel a certain measure of, of, of status, privilege, it's, what I learned is it's very quick that your brain starts telling you that you earned it. When in most cases, fame, status, privilege, uh, and especially wealth are often just a factor of luck and chance and where you were born and what happened. Yeah. And, you know, when you, when you sit in first class for whatever reason, most of the time, for most people, it's because the airline bumped you up as a perk or maybe someone bought you a plane ticket for a professional job or whatever. And the moment you sit down in first class... You're like, this is incredible. They're treating me like I'm a human being, first of all. I'm in a chair that accommodates a whole human being. And so suddenly, I, after all this doubt, suddenly I feel like the gold I always hoped that I was. I feel like a whole human being. I'm so lucky. And yet, that's when the plane is taking off. By the time the plane lands, it's very easy to feel like, well, of course I'm here. I'm so much smarter and better than those dopes behind me. Yeah. You, start, you know that you're in trouble when you start to think, that bathroom
0: is for the first-class yeah, passengers. Yeah, that's our bathroom. You start to judge people that are creeping up from
4: coach. Yeah, exactly. It's not a good look. And then you look around, and you realize, oh, this is, there's, there's, there's no particular virtue here. These are all people who bought their way in, one way or another. And like all people who buy their way in, they, they tend to be the kind of people who confuse wealth with virtue and status with intelligence, And and, uh, and then you realize you're here, too. So can I get rid of this obsession with status? What happens when I don't get invited to that Golden Globes party? And the answer is, you survive and it's better. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I wanna do the work that I wanna do, but I learned a lot about myself through this experience.
0: Well, you may have hated writing this book, but I loved reading it. It's Medallion Status by John Hodgman, it's really good.
4: Thank you guys so much, thank you.
0: That was John Hodgman right here on LiveWire, recorded at the Neptune Theater in Seattle in December of last year. Uh, His latest book is Medallion Status. Uh, This right here, this is the LiveWire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank, and that's Elena Passarello right over there. Uh, we got to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere, because when we come back, we will hear a song from the pride of Chawila, Washington. (laughs) Population, 2,600. That's right. Alan Stone will join us. Uh, so stay with us. This is LiveWire from PRX. Hey, special thanks this episode to Ed and Anne Galen of Portland, Oregon. Ed and Anne are part of the LiveWire member community, and they generously support our show with a donation each month. We are extremely grateful for that support. If this were a a a text of thanks we would have that hands in prayer emoji (laughs) of thanks. Or is it high-fiving? I don't know, but we send that out right now to Ed and Anne for helping keep LiveWire going. Thank you so much. LiveWire is thrilled to be partnering with Portland's own Portal T this season. Formerly known as Tea Chai Tay, Portal Tea is the premier tea company in the Pacific Northwest. And they make one-of-a-kind kind handcrafted tea blends like Cinnamon Churro Chai and Blueberry Cream Earl Grey. Use the code LIVEWIRE, all lowercase, for 20% off at PortalTea.co. Welcome back to the Live Wire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Uh, as I mentioned before the break, our musical guest this hour is from Chawila, Washington, which is a tiny little town in the northeast corner of the state. He grew up singing in his dad's church, Mm. which I found intriguing. I'm a fellow pastor's kid Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, He's also gone on to do some more, I guess they would say, outward-facing things these days, (laughs) like he was on the Jimmy Kimmel Show. He was a guest mentor on American Idol. Uh, And his latest album is Building Balance. Take a listen to this. This is Alan Stone, recorded on LiveWire at the Neptune Theater in Seattle last year. Hello. Hi there, Alan. How are you? Great. I have loved your music for a long time and seen you from afar at various festivals, but it's really great to have you on LiveWire. Thanks for being here.
5: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: So you did, in fact, grow up in Shawila. Your dad's a pastor. You were singing in the church? Yeah, I grew up singing hymns
5: and gospel music with my folks. It's kind of how I learned to to sing and play. and But records were also like a huge teaching tool
0: for me. What did you listen to?
5: Well, I found R&B and, and soul music like 16, 17 years old. Like R&B, like current r and um, I had been introduced to probably via hip hop and rap. Then somebody showed me like Donny Hathaway and Stevie Wonder and Aretha, and
0: I had never been introduced to that. That's why I was like, whoa, what's this is really cool. I, I enjoy this. And then you went to Bible college for like a minute? Yeah. First, Were you gonna be a pastor?
5: Yeah, no, I was, I went to Bible college and like was introduced to family guy all in the same.
0: <laughs> How did your family take that? <laughs> Have they noticed you're not a worship leader right yeah. now?
5: No, I, I, keep a, I keep a low profile really well. Yeah, This is all intentional. You guys are just discovering me yeah. out of intent.
0: That's absolutely not true. And I know that because every time I'm in SeaTac Airport, I hear you on the PA system yeah. saying, Hi, this is Alan Stone. Make sure your liquids and toiletries are out of your bag. How did you get that gig?
5: <laughs> it's actually like my greatest hit song are those announcements. <laughs> because I- I hear more about that than anything I've ever done in my career, like uncles and third cousins coming out of the closet, like, are you, are you in the airport, like, right now, <laughs> currently, or is this a pre-taped thing that you're doing? <laughs> well, on that note, Alan Stone, what song are we going to hear? I'm going to sing a song uh, called Brown-Eyed Lover. It's off my
0: record, Building Balance. All right. This is Alan Stone on Livewire. <laughs>
6: Keep a waiting. Ooh, she got me upside, tongue-tied, twisted all around. Mm, keep a waiting. Ooh, I know, oh, why can't you? Will this last to just come in? Maybe it came so fast. That my feet feel cold, but my mind is assured. And my heart remains so. Oh, she's got everything you want: a wardrobe, bar, thrift shop, and all my friends are good She reminds me of my mother. She wonders how my day went. I don't care about. so much more time for her from me on his hands but that don't need she's why would she wait so long just to run away oh she's got everything you want lets me pick the restaurant and all my friends are
1: there and I
6: can still love for her she wishes that stuff where my next paycheck is, but well, I don't wanna keep my baby waiting. I got a brand new night on the other side of town. I don't wanna keep on waiting. Oh, she got me outside sometimes, did all around. I don't wanna keep on waiting. Give away
0: Alan Stone Recorded last December At the Neptune Theater uh, In Seattle Uh, His latest album is Building Balance Well Elena We got all dressed up for this And now It's almost over. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Live Wire House Party. It was nice hanging out with you.
3: Yeah, great to see you. I expect to see uh, a wild prince.
0: Yes, Uh, I will wear something much more exciting and festive next week. And
3: I'll wear something very Uh,
0: monochromatic. Okay, we have to alternate each week. That's the plan. (laughs) Uh, A huge thanks to our guests this week. Of course, John Hodgman, John Muallam, and Alan Stone. Live Wire is brought to you in part by Foley, Alaska Airlines, and the Jupiter Hotel.
3: Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Heather D. Michelle is our executive director. Tim Harkins is our production director. Our producer and editor is Melanie Sevchenko. Amy McCormick is our development director. And Ariana Donaville is our marketing associate. Caitlin Kunkel is our writer. Our house band is Sam Tucker, Ethan Fox Tucker, and A. Walker Spring, who also composed our music. Molly Pettit is our technical director. And she mixed this episode along with Corey Schreppel. Our house sound is by D. Neil Blake.
0: Additional funding provided by the Regional Arts and Culture Council and the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation. Livewire was created by Robin Tenenbaum and Kate Sokoloff. Our show is made possible by the generous support of our members this week. We'd like to thank member Toral Milbrath of Portland, Oregon. For more information about our show or how you can get our podcast, head on over to livewireradio.org. I'm Luke Burbank for the Brightly a tired Elena Passarello and the whole LiveWire crew. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next week. Wouldn't it be amazing to have a piping hot episode of LiveWire delivered right to your heart and ears each week? Well, guess what? That can happen when you subscribe to the LiveWire podcast feed.